Hi there, this is Kevin Skinner, pastor at First Baptist Church in Stockdale, Texas, and welcome to our weekly message podcast. If you live in the Stockdale area, then I would invite you to join us every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. to worship with us in person. You can also check out our webpage at fbcstockdale.org. Here at First Baptist, we are a community church with a kingdom mission, and we invite you to join us on that mission. Well, we are just two weeks away from, from Christmas, and so if you haven't already begun, then this is your red alert right now. It's time to start buying your Christmas gifts, right? And if you're like my family, then you may just be prone to order your Christmas gifts online and have them shipped directly to your door. In fact, more and more people are shopping online for their Christmas gifts. Recent polls suggest that uh, 57% of North Americans plan to do their Christmas shopping online this year versus actually going into the stores. Which, online shopping can be the perfect way to shop for Christmas as long as the gifts that you are ordering arrive within their expected time frame. Well, back in 2013, UPS got themselves into a predicament when they made a promise. They advertised a promise on TV that they were going to have all of their packages delivered by a certain date before Christmas. And while they made this promise, they failed to properly plan for the demand that this promise was going to create. And so they didn't have enough workers, they didn't have enough delivery trucks, they didn't have enough planes. And so because of their poor planning, a lot of Christmas gifts across this nation did not arrive to their destination on time. So in the end, we could say that UPS failed to deliver on their promises. So we're in the season of Advent right now, Advent meaning the coming. And so this time of year, the Advent season, is a time for us to pause, to reflect, and to prepare our hearts for the celebration of the coming of Christ into this world all those years ago. And as we prepare our hearts this year, I'm asking you to remember a truth, that Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. Let me say that again. Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. There has never been a a point in eternity that had God caught off guard. There's never been a time that God was unprepared, causing him or preventing him from making good on his promises, preventing him from delivering on his promises. Rather, God is always prepared. He has always. He always has a plan. And he always delivers on his promises. And so we are reminded once again that Christ coming into this world to be the redemption for this world was always the plan. So we're in the middle of a series right now titled Planned, Promised, Provided. And as we're going through this series, we're looking back through Scripture and we're seeing how God began to reveal hints of his plan to send the Messiah And we're also looking at prophecy, seeing how God began to promise that he would send the Messiah. And then when we get to Christmas, we're going to wrap all of this up and we're going to see how God provided for the Messiah through the sending of Jesus, through his birth into this world. 
So if you remember, two weeks ago, we looked at Genesis chapter 3, and we saw uh, this was the fall of mankind, and we saw as God uh, laid out the consequences for Adam, Eve, and the serpent, we saw God begin to uh, give hints of his plan for the Messiah. And then last week, we looked at two chapters, Genesis 12 and Genesis 17, and, and God had two encounters with Abram or Abraham. And once again, as God established covenants with Abraham, we saw uh, these hints or these, these beginning plans of, of his desire to send the Messiah into this world. This morning, we're going to move forward a bit. We're going to move to the book of Micah, the book of Micah. And as we look at Micah this morning, we're not just going to see hints of God's plan to send the Messiah. We're going to see God promise to send the Messiah. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to Micah chapter 5. Micah chapter 5. Genesis is at the beginning. Micah is getting closer towards the end of the Old Testament. Not quite to the end, but it's closer towards the end of the Old Testament. Micah chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 1 through 6 today. And as you're turning there, I want to set this up for you. Micah was a prophet who lived in the times during the reigns of the kings of Judah who reigned from 750 B.C. to 687 B.C. And much of the focus of Micah's book, the book of Micah, or, or of Micah's prophecies were really warnings to the northern kingdom of Israel and the southern kingdom of Judah as a result of their disobedience to God. Now, with that being said, what we find in the book of Micah, in the midst of all of these warnings, is, is we find a great promise. We find this great promise that, that God's going to send the Messiah into this world. And we know that people understood this to be a prophecy of the Messiah that would come because when the wise men encounter King Herod in Matthew chapter 2... The wise men actually point to Christ's birth as a fulfillment of this prophecy here in the book of Micah. In fact, in Matthew 2, 6, the wise men quote Micah 5. Now, rather than simply focusing on the message of hope and neglecting the warnings of destruction, I think it is important to note that this message of hope is, is enveloped in these warnings of Destruction, because really we see that this is a part of God's nature. God often and continually warns us of our destruction if we continue to walk in disobedience. In fact, God began giving these warnings all the way back in the beginning in Genesis when, when God uh, has that tree of the knowledge of good and evil and he tells Adam and Eve not to eat of this fruit... He says, if you do, if you walk in disobedience, you will surely die. And as a result of Adam and Eve's sin, death was ushered into this world. And also, if we look to another prophet, if we look to the book of Jonah, we see that God sends Jonah to Nineveh to warn them of their destruction if they continue to walk in disobedience. And so we, we see that, that this is a part of God's nature to warn mankind of our destruction if we continue in disobedience. And this is what we're seeing happen in Micah. It's a reminder once again that God continually warns us of our destruction 
if we continue in our sin. So let me just give you a warning this morning. If you are living in sin and if you continue in that sin, you are heading down a path of destruction. You are heading down a path of destruction. But the book of Micah also gives us another reminder that that God doesn't only warn us of our destruction, He also provides for our redemption. Let me say that again. God doesn't only warn us of our destruction, He also provides for our redemption. This is the gospel. This is the good news that, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The good news is this reminder that, that apart from Christ, in our sin, we are destined for destruction. But God, in His great love for us, sent His one and only Son, Jesus Christ, into this world to come into this world and to go to the cross to bear the weight of that destruction upon himself so that if we place our full hope, our full trust, our full faith in him, we will receive not eternal destruction, but we will receive eternal life. God doesn't only warn us of our destruction, he also provides for our redemption. And that that redemption is found in Jesus Christ and in Jesus Christ alone. So let me pause right here and just ask this question. Have you received this redemption in Jesus Christ? Have you received this redemption in Jesus Christ? Or are you still going headstrong down that path of destruction? Are you still going headstrong in your sin? You know, many times we don't highlight the warnings of destruction because let's be honest, a message of hope and a message of love is much more palatable than a message of warning. A message of love and hope is much more comfortable than hearing that, that if we continue in our sin, we are heading down a path of, of destruction. But understand, this is exactly how God showed his love for us by sending Jesus into this world to take that destruction upon himself so that we won't have to experience it. And so we need to hear this message of destruction so that we fully understand the hope and the love that God has for us in Jesus Christ. So as we look at our passage today, in the midst of these warnings of destruction, Micah prophesies, and the prophecy that we're going to see today, it's not simply a hint of God's plan, it is a promise that he will send the Messiah. And so we're going to read this right now, Micah 5, 1 through 6. It says, Now daughter who is under attack, you slash yourself in grief. A siege is set against us. They are striking the judge of Israel on the cheek with a rod. Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. Therefore, Israel will be abandoned until the time when she is in labor, has given birth. Then the rest of the ruler's brothers will return to the people of Israel. He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord, in the majestic name of the Lord his God. They will live securely, for then his greatness will extend to the ends of the earth. He will be their peace. 
when Assyria invades our land, when it marches against our fortresses, we will raise against it seven shepherds, even eight leaders of men. They will shepherd the land of Assyria with the sword, the land of Nimrod with a drawn blade. So he will rescue us from Assyria when it invades our land, when it marches against our territory. Now, as we look at this passage, much of the prophecy that we're going to look at and focus on comes from verses 2 and 4. But I want to begin by highlighting what we see there in verse 1. We read this, this statement, Now, daughter who is under attack. With these words, Micah was giving a reminder to Jerusalem that its city was really marked by its warfare. Jerusalem was often engaged in war. In fact, they, they had both internal and external battles. Internally, they were, their, their rich was often engaged in war against their poor. And externally, they often had enemies waging war against them. And so their city was marked by its warfare. And so it's here that Micah points out the, the battles that they are in and the wars that they are facing that he gives this promise of hope for the Messiah that would come, for a Savior that would come. Now, for us, the Messiah has already come. For us, we, we have seen the fulfillment of this promise in Jesus Christ. But, but as we think about the, the wars and the battles that, that we see in our world, that we experience in our world, we are continually reminded of our continued need for a Messiah, of our, our continued need for our Savior, Jesus Christ. And we are reminded of our need for a Savior as we look at our external wars. Because our world is still very much plagued with warfare. In fact, uh, this last week, December 7th, we, we paused once again as a nation to remember Pearl Harbor Day. The, the attack on Pearl Harbor, which ultimately led to Canada and the United States entering into World War II. Unfortunately, this wouldn't be the, the last time that our, our country would be attacked. This wouldn't be the last time that uh, our country would engage in warfare and, and that countries around the world would engage in warfare. Rather, wars and battles continue across this country and, and around this world. And so we are reminded of our need for a Savior, we're reminded of the one that will come, that, that, that has come, but will ultimately, in the end, bring peace to all the wars. But we're also reminded of our need for a Savior as we think about our internal battles. And, and I don't mean wars within our country, I mean battles within ourselves, wars within ourselves. Because across this country and around the world, every single day there are people that, that are fighting battles within themselves, battles with addictions, battles in, in their homes and in their marriages, battles in their jobs, battles with anxiety, battles with sin and temptation, even battles with our own health. And so as we look at all of these internal battles, we are reminded once again of our need for the one that ultimately, in the end, will bring peace to all of these battles. That, that in the end, there will no longer be any struggle. There will no longer be any battle. But also, we're reminded that, that our Savior can give us peace in the midst of these battles today. So let me pause right here and ask, 
What battle are you fighting today? What battle are you fighting today? As you look at your own life, as you look within yourself, what battle are you fighting today? Is it a battle with addiction? Is it a battle with temptation? Is it a battle in your home or in your marriage? Is it a battle with your health? What battle are you fighting today? And as you call that battle to mind, I want you to do something with me. I want you to turn that battle over to Jesus because he is the Messiah. He is the Savior. He is the one that can bring peace to all of those situations and he can give peace to our hearts in the midst of those situations. So Micah 5 begins with this reminder of the warfare that that had marked Jerusalem. And and then as we get to verse 2, this is when we begin to see the prophecy uh, or the promise of the coming Messiah. And there are three promises that we see here that are repeated again in Matthew chapter 2, verse 6. And so I want to look at these promises with you this morning. First, we see the promise of a city. We see the promise of a city. Let's read the first part of verse 2 again. It says, Bethlehem Ephrathah, you are small among the clans of Judah. One will come from you. We see the promise of a city. Now, this promise would have, uh, of this particular city, would have been an, an unexpected one. Because as we read, that Bethlehem was small among the, the clans of Judah. Now, this phrase, small among the clans of Judah was a reminder of an earthly king that came out of Bethlehem, King David. And King David came from the tribe of Judah. And if you remember the story of King David, when when King David was called to be king, he was just a shepherd boy out tending his flocks. But, But even David's calling to be king was unexpected because he was the youngest of his brothers. It would have been expected for any of the older brothers, because of the culture, because of the way things worked, it would have been expected for any of the older brothers to have been called king, but definitely not the younger brother. He was, he was small among his tribe, and yet he was called to be king. And so much like this unexpected king that came out of Bethlehem, Bethlehem itself was this small place, and it would have been unexpected for a savior to come out of this town because Bethlehem wasn't a large, well-known city like Dallas, Fort Worth, Austin, San Antonio, Houston. Bethlehem actually was more like Stockdale. It was a small farm town with lots of fields for the flocks to feed in. And so it's here in this lesser-known town that, that God would promise to do something great within it. That, that someone great would be born and come out of this town. It, it was in this town that was known by very few that this town, this town was going to become known by many. There's actually a Christmas song that we sing about this, this, this town, and we just sang it a few minutes ago. A little town of Bethlehem. This, this song, A Little Town of Bethlehem, it was actually written in the year 1868 as a poem by an Episcopal priest who had recently visited Bethlehem. And so after writing this poem, he asked his organist to, uh, to, to write a tune to go along with his poem so they could sing that on Sunday morning. I'm going to ask Ginger to, to do that for me. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> the fear on her face. <laughs> 
So the, the priest asked the organist to write a tune to go along with his poem for the Sunday morning service. And, and the organist ad, admits that uh, he really didn't spend much time writing this tune because he spent all day Saturday writing his Sunday school lesson. Sounds like a Baptist, right? So, uh, so he, late into the night, Saturday going into Sunday, he finally jotted down some notes for this poem, for this tune. And then early Sunday, when, when he's writing to, to church, he finishes writing this tune. And he and the Episcopal priest, they really didn't think much was going to come of this song. They thought they might sing it for a few Sundays and then it would soon be forgotten. And yet here we are 154 years later, and we are still singing this song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. And so much like this song, many did not expect much to come of the town of Bethlehem itself. Even though King David had come out of this town, they really still didn't give much thought to the town of Bethlehem. It was one of those towns that maybe you, you might drive through it and you might remember it for a little while, but, but you'd probably soon forget it. But here we are, not just 154 years later, here we are thousands of years later and we are still talking about this town. We are still singing songs about this town, this little town of Bethlehem. So let me pause right here and say this. God likes to use small things to accomplish his big plans. God likes to use small things to accomplish his big plans, whether we're talking about people or whether we're talking about places. God likes to use small things to accomplish his big plans. And I want you to hear this as great news today, because you might look at your own life and you might feel small. You might look at your own life and you might feel insignificant. You might look at your own life and you might feel forgettable. And all of that is okay because God likes to use small things to accomplish his big plans, which means that you don't have to make a name for yourself before God can do something great in you. You don't have to become known by the masses in order for God to use you. God likes to use small things to accomplish his big plans. And let me tell you, God wants to do something great in you and through you. The greatest thing that he desires to do in us is his work of salvation through Jesus Christ. And we don't have to make ourselves great before he does this work in us. We don't have to clean ourselves up before God will do this work of salvation in our lives. We only need to come to Jesus. And when we come to him, recognizing just how small we are and just how big he is, he will accomplish the greatest work that we will ever experience in our lives, that work of salvation. God also likes to, he, he also desires to do something through you, something great through you. If you've given your life to Christ, then what he wants to do through you is the sharing of this good news with others. There's nothing greater that we can share with someone else than how they can come to know Jesus as their Lord. And so we don't have to make ourselves great before God can do something great in us. We only simply have to make ourselves available. Available to tell our neighbors. Available to teach a lesson. Available to, to serve our community. 
We only need to make ourselves available, and God can do the rest. Bethlehem wasn't known for its greatness, but, but it's a small place that God would accomplish something great within. And so we see this promise of a city. Second, we see the promise of a ruler. Let's look at the second part of verse 2 again. It says, One will come from you to be ruler over Israel for me. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. We see the promise of a ruler. Now, as I've already said, David is, uh, was a king or a ruler that came out of Bethlehem. However, the promise that we see here for a future ruler that was going to come out of Bethlehem was someone that was more than a mere man. How do we know this? Because of the description. His origin is from antiquity, from ancient times. Now, that's the way the CSB translates it. I, I like the way the New King James Version translates this verse a little bit better. It says, "...whose goings forth are from old, from everlasting." You see, Micah wasn't communicating that, that simply a, a, a ruler from the past was somehow going to come back and rule again. He was saying that someone that has existed from everlasting, someone that, had, that has existed in eternity's past was going to come and be the ruler. Micah was prophesying that one that has existed for all eternity was the one that would come to be the ruler out of Bethlehem. And there's only one that would be understood as this ruler that was being prophesied, and that is the creator himself. You see, there's, there's not a single created thing that has existed before all things, that has existed all of time. There's only one that has existed all of time, and that is God himself. And so here we have Micah prophesying that the ruler would come out of Bethlehem uh, that, that he would be the king of all kings. The ruler that would come out of Bethlehem would be the ruler of all rulers. The ruler that would come out of Bethlehem would be God in the flesh. And, and I want you to understand, this is exactly who Jesus is. In Colossians 1, 15 through 17, we see this about Jesus. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For everything was created by him in heaven and on earth, the visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. Jesus Christ is the one whose goings forth are from old. He is from ancient times. His origin is from antiquity. He is from everlasting. He is the creator. And so Micah is saying the creator of all things will be born in Bethlehem to be the ruler of all rulers. But I want you to hear me. Unlike David, Christ came into this world not simply to rule over a nation, but to rule over your heart. Christ came into this world not simply to rule over a nation, but to rule over your heart. And so the question is, is are you allowing him to rule over your heart? Are you daily submitting to his lordship that he might rule over you? Christ came into this world not simply to rule over a nation, but to rule over your heart. So we see the promise of a city. We see the promise of a ruler. Finally, this morning, we see the promise of a shepherd. Let's look at the first part of verse 4 again. It says, He will stand and shepherd them in the strength of the Lord, in the majestic name of, of the Lord his God. 
we see the promise of a shepherd. Now, again, David was an earthly king that, that came out of Bethlehem, and, and he was one that shepherded sheep. But the promise here is not simply one that is going to shepherd a flock of sheep. The promise is that one would come that would shepherd people. The promise is that there would be a shepherd that would come that, that would love his people just as a shepherd loves his sheep. It's a promise of a shepherd that would lead his people beside quiet waters, that would make them lie down in green pastures, that would restore their souls. It's the promise of a shepherd who would lay down his life for his people just as a shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep. This wasn't a promise of just any, any shepherd. This was a promise of the good shepherd, the greatest shepherd to ever walk this earth. And Jesus says this about himself in John 10, 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. And I want you to hear me. Jesus laid down his life for you. Jesus laid down his life for you. He went to the cross bearing the weight of your sin upon himself to be your shepherd but also to be your Savior, that you might be spared from destruction, that you, might be, that you might experience through Him redemption. And so we see the promise of the city, we see the promise of a ruler, and we see the promise of this Savior. And the people that heard these words that Micah prophesied understood this to be a promise, not just of a mere man, but of God who would come in the flesh to be the Messiah for us, the one who would come to save them from their destruction. And this promise to be saved from destruction is a promise for us today. And it is a promise that God fulfilled. And so while UPS may not have delivered on their promises, we can certainly say that God has delivered on his promises and so as we recognize that God sent Jesus into this world to be the Savior for this world, to be the redemption for this world, the question is, is do you know Jesus as Lord? And if you don't, then I want to give you the opportunity to respond this morning. In just a moment, we're going to sing another song. And as we sing this song, this will be your opportunity to respond today. And if you're here today and you would say, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life, but today I recognize the destruction that I am heading towards in my disobedience. And I am ready to turn to Jesus that I might receive salvation in him. If you're ready to make Jesus Christ the Lord of your life today, then as we sing this song, I would invite you to come. I'm going to be standing right down front. You can step out of your seat. You can join me down here. And you can make the decision to allow Jesus to be your Lord today. Now, maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ already, but I've never taken that next step of baptism. We don't believe that baptism saves us, but we do believe that it's something that God calls every single believer to do as a outward expression of the inward work that God has done in our lives. And so if you have given your life to Christ, but you've never taken that step of baptism and you want to make that commitment today, I'd love to talk with you. I'd love to pray with you. You can join me down here as well. And maybe you're here and you would say, I've given my life to Christ. I've taken that step of baptism by immersion already. And I've been visiting First Baptist Church Stockdale, and I know that God's calling me to make this my church home. 
to link up my life with this body of believers that we might grow together, that we might serve together, that we might be on mission together. If that's you, then I would invite you to respond as well. But whatever it is that God's calling you to do in these final moments, I would encourage you simply to respond obediently. Would you stand with me right now? Let's go to the Lord in prayer together. Thanks for listening to our weekly message podcast. At the end of every service, I offer an invitation to respond, and I'd like to invite you to respond today. If you'd like to make Jesus Christ your Lord, or if you'd like information about membership here at First Baptist Stockdale, then head on over to fbcstockdale.org respond. Your response will come directly to me, and I'll follow up with you this week. God bless you, and have a great week.